I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. How are we doing? Good, good. Welcome to church tonight. You glad to be here? It's good. I'm glad to be here. It's awesome. Well, it's good to see you and uh, shout out to everyone at our South Campus. We're glad that you guys are at church today as well. And uh, I'm excited. We kicked off a brand new series last week called Basically, where we're walking through the Apostles' Creed, which is really the foundation of what we believe. And Pastor Jamie did a great job of just kind of laying it out and saying, here are the essentials of our faith. These, these are the things that aren't really up for debate uh, when it comes to Jesus, to church, to the Bible, to Christianity. There are so many different opinions and beliefs and viewpoints and theological rabbit trails. There's, if you were to give 100 people one specific passage of scripture, you might end up with 100 different takes on it. Right? There's, there's just all kinds of different viewpoints out there. And I know that this is surprising, but did you know that sometimes arguments can get out of hand? <laughs> Do you know that sometimes calm debate can lead to tempers flying and people angry? That, that's the thing. We're not great at disagreeing, are we? No. We're not even in the church Maybe especially in the church. And so that's why we have things like the creed that serve as this all-encompassing reminder to say, hold on, here's the things that we stand on. Here's the things that don't change. Here's the things that the church believes right now this weekend. Millions and millions and millions and millions of other Christians around the world are going to stand on the foundational beliefs of the creed, whether they're in Fredericton or London or Australia or Brazil or wherever they are. And we're all going to say, you know what? I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died on a cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. He conquered death and will resurrect us so that we can be with him in eternity. Amen. Amen. Right? We're all going to stand on that this weekend. And so it's a thing that unifies us. And so it's really important that we have these beliefs. It's kind of like a recipe. Right? If you're going to make a cake, if you're going to make a chocolate cake, there's some things that you're going to have to have in there no matter what. You're, you're going to have butter and flour and eggs and cocoa and whatever. And I know some of you already are going to approach me in the lobby. Did you know that you can make a dairy-free cake with, with vegan butter and gluten? -free? I don't care. I don't care. You can make something with those ingredients, but it's not cake. So don't, don't talk to me in the lobby about cake. 
But some of you will, you know, if you're going to make a cake, you have to have some key ingredients in there that is going to give you the foundation for any chocolate cake. Once that cake is made, you can do whatever you want with it. You can put frosting on it. If you want to give it to your pastor, you can put boiled icing on it. You can put sprinkles on there, fruit on there, ice cream on there, make four more and stack it. If you're on a TV show, you can put an engine in it and drive it out of the bakery with crazy things they do on cake shows. But at the end of the day, the foundation is that it was all built on chocolate cake. The, the same recipe, right? And so your cake might look a little different from someone else's cake, but our foundation was the same. And so in a room like this, even now at the movie theater, wherever you are, there are people who believe all kinds of different things. There are people here, maybe even today, that would say, I don't believe you can lose your salvation. And there would be some that said, oh, you can totally lose your salvation. There are people here that might think the earth is 6,000 years old, and some people are like, 5 billion years old. Some people think Noah's flood was local. Some people think that was global. Some people think you should never speak in tongues, and some people are like, y'all need to speak in tongues. Some people think the clergy should wear a collar and be celibate, and you better believe I don't. <laughs> right? We all believe different things. We do even in this room, wherever you are right now. And yet at the end of the day, we can say, but I believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, and whoever believes in him won't die, but will have eternal life. So the creed is like our chocolate cake. That makes perfect sense. And that's what we stand on. That's our foundation. Even if other people's cake look a little different after that, that's, that's totally okay, right? And that's actually a really important thing to talk about briefly before we move on. We need to get better at being okay with other people's cakes looking a little different. We have got to be okay with that. We, we've got to be better than we are at that right now. Right? With some people are sprinkle people. Some people are ice cream people. Some people are vegan, gluten-free people. Right? But at the end of the day, if you believe that salvation is found under no other name than Jesus Christ, then all those people are going to heaven. So if Jesus is okay with it, then his church better be on board with it too. Right? There's different cakes, for goodness sakes. So, all that being said, what in the world are we talking about tonight? Today, uh, we're going to talk about a really simple, straightforward thing, the Trinity. See, the Trinity is like a cake. It's not, it's not like a cake at all. That analogy is over. The Trinity is the church's belief, kind of the global church's belief, that God is three in one. That he is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. They, those are the three people of the Trinity, and yet God is still one. That is what we mean. So he's three, but he's one, but they're different, but they're the same. Let's wrap it up with prayer and go home. <laughs> Amen. So this is obviously one of those mysteries of the Bible that is really difficult to grasp and understand and wrap our heads around. And so before we start, I want to remind us that just because you might have a difficult time understanding something doesn't mean that it's not true. Right? There's a lot of things out there that are true that are hard to believe. Right? There, there's a lot of things out there that are true even if you can't fully grasp them. For instance, I believe that eternity is a real thing. 
The Bible tells me that it is. But I can't wrap my head around eternity. How long is forever? Do you know that it's happening? Do you, like, is there sundown and a moon and a clock and time? Do you measure day? Like, have you ever stopped to think about forever? Your brain hurts after a while. I don't understand it, but I believe that it's truth. On an easier scale, maybe sometimes it's easy to say, I believe in math, but I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't understand how my engine works, but I'm believing one to take me home today after church. Right? I, I, there's things I don't understand. I don't understand how they put a guy on the moon. You ever look at the moon and think, there's a guy on that? That's crazy. How'd they do it? I'll never know. But I believe that they did. I'm not a weird conspiracy theorist. I really believe they put a guy on the moon. So for my goal today isn't that you would all go home thinking, oh, I now fully understand the Trinity. Woo! Got that wrapped up. We're not. We're not going to fully understand the Trinity. What I'm inviting us to do today is to believe in one of these mysteries of the Bible. Because it's faith. We can't comprehend some things. We have this weird thing that says, well, if I don't understand it, it must not be true. There's a lot of people in the world who have discounted Jesus entirely because they're like, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't care. It might be true. But just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not true. And so we're going to talk about the Trinity in that way. So don't think, oh, finally, I'm going to get the Trinity figured out. You're not because I'm not about to do a good job doing that because I don't think it can really happen. I think it's one of those things that we study and we believe and we look at and we're thankful for. And at the end of the day, we go, still not sure I understand how, but I believe in God and that this is right and true. Um, now, one thing to also remember today is that this is also not like a lecture, like a universe. I don't want this to be a class. This is a sermon, right? And sometimes it's easy for us to think, well, Christianity is just a whole bunch of things that we believe up in our head, but it's not. It's allowing the word of God to come into our hearts and transform us and change the way that we live. Christianity, Christianity is a person that we follow, and he changes our life. All right, so the goal today isn't to, oh, I learned a lot of things and they're up in my head. The goal today is to say, all right, God, change the way that I live because I believe in the Trinity. It's not even just how do I get the Trinity. It's, okay, how does it change my life that I believe in the Trinity? What should change today because I believe that this is true? Okay, so we're going to talk about what is the Trinity or who, and then why does that matter for my everyday life? All right, so who is the Trinity? Well, there's three things we believe about the Trinity. The first is this, is that God is three persons. We believe that he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes, and, and they are, they're, they're people, they're persons, right? Sometimes we think, especially with the Holy Spirit, so he's just kind of like a weird energy force thing, right? And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe the problem was that we called him a ghost for a whole bunch of years. And the Holy Ghost, and we're like, what does that mean? Is he like this weird ethereal being like floating through walls? Like it's just, Holy Spirit's a person. The Bible talks about him as a he. he. He celebrates, he grieves, he mourns, he comforts, he moves, he listens, he, right? He's, he's a he. Holy Spirit is a person. So God is three. He is three in one. And we see all kinds of scripture to back this up. Genesis 1.26, right at the very beginning of the Bible, and it says, first sentence, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. 
So there's three plurals in that sentence, and yet there's no other humans on the planet. So if God is all by himself, who's he chatting with? Let us make him in our image. And so already we're thinking, all right, there's more than one person there. And so you go back to the very, very beginning, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So now we've got God and the Spirit of God. They're both there. And later on in the Bible, in John chapter 1, we find out that Jesus was there as well. Uh, Jesus is called the Word. And verse 1 says, in the beginning, that's deliberate language, in the beginning, the Word already existed. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So already now we find out that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son in Jesus were all present there at the very beginning. That's who God is talking to. And let us together make humans in our image. So God is three. They've always been there. It's not like Jesus didn't exist until the year zero when God like plucked him and threw him down to earth. He's always been here. Secondly, each person is fully God. So all of these three people are God. It's not like they're kind of God or sort of God or halfway God. Jesus is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. I mean, believing that Jesus is God is a pretty significantly huge, important part of our faith. We just read in John 1.1 that in the beginning, the word was God. Jesus was God. Another example is Hebrews 1.8. This is God the Father speaking. It says, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. So now we've got the Father talking to the Son, and he calls him God. So Jesus is also God. The Holy Spirit's God. There's a story uh, for one example in the book of Acts. It's a crazy story. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of land, and they give the money to the church, except they don't. They're liars, and they kept a little bit for themselves but they lie about it, and so they die. It's a great, great there's a bedtime story for your kids tonight. It's in Acts chapter 5. Don't lie to mommy and daddy. I would never do that as a bedtime story. It says, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself, the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished, and after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. So says, you lied to the Holy Spirit, meaning you lied to God. So God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all three of those persons are God. And then thirdly, there is only one God. You're tracking. This is some of your like first day at church, and you're like, "What have I walked into?" <laughs> Welcome. This is not always like this. There is only one God, and and so what we mean by this is that Father, Son, Holy Spirit is not three gods. That's polytheism. That's worshiping more than one God. That's what the Greeks did. That's what the Romans did. Oh, it's the God of the sun, God of the ocean, God of the farmlands, God of the donkeys, whatever. There's a whole bunch of different gods out there. But no, we don't believe that. We believe there is one God. Uh, we see this all through Scripture. 1 Kings 8.60 says, Then people all over the earth will know that the Lord alone is God. 
and there is no other. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Over and over and over again, you read that he is the only God. It's the first and second commandment. Love the Lord your God with everything you got, and there's no other gods. It's me. I'm the only one. We could go on and on and on. What this means then is the Trinity is not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one times one times one equals one. Right? See, I can math. <laughs> I can do this. So that is the biblical belief that the church believes in the Trinity, that God is three, they are all God, and yet there is only one God, clear as a foggy morning in St. John. But that's what we believe. That's what the church believes. That's what they've believed since the beginning. That's what the apostles believed. And so that's what we continue to believe. This is our chocolate cake recipe when it comes to the Trinity. So again, I'm not inviting us to understand it, but to say, this is a mystery of the Bible, and I will choose to believe it because it's true. Now, people have tried all kinds of cute ways to like, explain the Trinity, all these little metaphors and comparisons. Uh, the Trinity is like an egg. There's like a shell and a white and a yolk, but one egg. Or he's water. It's liquid, but it's ice, so it's solid, but it's fog, so it's gas. Or Nowadays, uh, I actually saw this online, a fidget spinner. There's three points and you spin it, but there's one. And so, one thing to remember, whenever we're making comparisons about God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, whatever, they're all flawed and they're always going to come up short, right? That's just something we always need to remember. There's no perfect analogy out there, um, but those all kind of do fall apart in, in one key way, and that's that God is all three, but he's all three at the same time. He's not taking turns, right? When, when water is a liquid, it's not also a solid, when an egg, I mean, an egg has a shell, but it's not a shell, right? But you understand that, that God is God as the Father. He is God as the Son. He is God as the Spirit. He doesn't have to take turns. He doesn't have to hit pause. Hold on, I was being Father for a minute. I got to go be Son. That was, that was actually a heresy that the early church believed, that, that he couldn't be all three at the same time. He had to be one, and, but he's not. He can be all things at the same time. He's God, right? It's kind of like me. And the, that's actually super heretic. It's kind of like me. The Trinity's just like me, you guys. Um, it's, can, we'll cut that out of the South video. It's kind of like me, though, in the sense that I'm a father, but I'm also a son. And I'm also a brother. I'm also a husband. I'm also an uncle. I can be all those things at once. It's not if I'm talking to my wife, my kids run over to me. Dad, look at this. Hold on. I'm a husband right now. I'm not due to be a father for 92 more minutes. Actually, in a few minutes, I gotta go be a brother, but all that means is that I ignored the sister for a while, and then, like, no, I can be all those things at once. Do you know it's possible to be a pastor and a normal human at the same time? Now, normal is subjective, absolutely. There are people that think you can't be both, and they meet you, and they're like, what do you do? I'm a pastor. No, you're not. Okay, good, glad we cleared that up. Thanks for guessing my profession today. See, all metaphors fall apart. That's not really what the Trinity is like, but that principle is true, is that God can be all three of those things at the same time, whether we can wrap our heads around it or not. So don't fall down kind of that path of, well, he's got to take turns. He doesn't. He's God. I guess the bottom line is that you don't need a metaphor to make sense of the Trinity. We just need to believe and have faith that this is who God is, this is how he operates, and there is a reason for it. 
which brings us to the kind of the second part of what does this matter to my life? And if I wake up tomorrow and I don't believe in the Trinity, will it matter? Right? And the answer is, oh my word, absolutely. Yes, it will matter. Because if we don't believe the Trinity, church, then we might as well close. And I will give you the most depressing benediction ever. Say, all right, well now go and whatever belief you don't have and maybe come back next week if you still don't care in anything, right? Like that, that's how off we would be if we decided that the Trinity doesn't matter. It's, it's the belief that's really holding so many of our core beliefs together. We need the Trinity. In fact, let's look at it like this. If you remove one member of the Trinity, the whole thing falls apart. The whole thing falls apart. You have to believe that all three of them are together at once. It's like if a mechanic was working on your engine, took a whole bunch of things out, left them on the ground, fixed things up, and, and put a whole bunch of them back in. But not all of them. He left a whole bunch of metal pieces over here. There, there's some nuts and some bolts and some... I've never seen an engine in my life. Some springs or something. I don't know. And he's like, oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Just drive off. You'll be good. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be good, actually. Your car might start. You might even make it a little bit, but at some point, it's all going to stop. It's going to fail. It's not going to get you where you need to go because all of those parts serve a very important, specific purpose, and if they're not in there, it's not going to work the way that it should. Truth? Okay? So this is the same thing where if you remove even one of the members of the Trinity, then the whole thing is going to crumble and fall apart. So if you say, oh, I believe in God and the Holy Spirit, but I don't really believe in Jesus, well, that doesn't make sense because Jesus is the one who said, here's the Holy Spirit. You only get him when you're saved, which is a thing that Jesus did on the cross, so there's no Holy Spirit without Jesus. Well, then you say, okay, well, I believe in God and Jesus, this Holy Spirit, this Holy Ghost thing's creeping me out. If we don't have the Holy Ghost, we're done. If you don't have the power of God living within you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, then how are we expected to walk in victory and freedom? How are we expected to actually live out the thing that God told us to do? Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. Not without the Holy Spirit, you don't. Right? We, we need all of them. You take God the Father away, we don't ever get to Jesus and the Holy Spirit because he is the source of all life and creation, and this was his plan from the get-go. Right, so we need all of them working together as the Trinity for any part of your faith to work and make sense. So is it important in your everyday life? Absolutely. But how? What does it look like? Well, here's one example. We don't pray correctly without the Trinity. Have you ever thought about who you're supposed to pray to? All right, I believe the Trinity. Dear, well, I prayed to Jesus yesterday. I'll pray to the Father tonight. You ever, like, who do you pray to? Oh, well, here's kind of what Jesus told us to do, which is always a good start. He taught us to pray our Father. All right, so we're praying to the Father. Okay, but how many of you end a prayer with in someone's name? So hold on, I'm praying our Father, but I'm wrapping it up in Jesus' name. Have you ever been confused? Like, this is, this is a little weird. So we pray to the Father, and yet we also pray in Jesus' name. Because there is power in Jesus' name. In fact, if you are not praying in Jesus' name, you might as well just be saying a whole bunch of words and then hoping they make it up to heaven to do something someday. You know, see, the power comes in Jesus' name. I mean, this is what Jesus told us to do, John 16, 23. 
He says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. He's saying, you guys never prayed this way before, but ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. So we can ask the Father. We pray to the Father, but we pray it in Jesus' name because Jesus is the mediator. He is the go-between between us and God. It's almost like we needed a messenger to take our prayers to God. God wasn't listening to us before Jesus showed up. It's kind of like that. He's the go-between. It's like when you had a crush on someone in elementary school. You wanted to hand them a note, one of those check yes or no boxes. But she was like an aisle over, and so you had to fold it up and hand it to Sean and hope that he was going to hand it off to to the girl and not read it and not open it and ruin your grade five, Sean. It's kind of like that. I ruined everything. Jesus is our mediator. He's our go-between. He's the one who says, all right, pray to the Father, but I'll get it there. Pray to the Father, but I'm the one who will act as your messenger. So, all right, so I'm praying to the Father. I'm praying in Jesus' name because that's what he told me to do. And then we read Ephesians 16 that says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So pray to the Father through Jesus, and yet I'm also now praying in the Spirit on all occasions. And so maybe that seems like a a weird biblical contradiction, but it's not at all. See, the Holy Spirit is the power of God in us, right? If the Holy Spirit is God, we were given the gift of the Spirit when we got saved. So, So the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. He is the one often who will tell us what to pray. He is the one who will give us the words when we can't even come up with the words to pray. Sometimes he is the one who will put pictures of people in your head and say, you need to pray for them right now. You ever had that happen? All of a sudden you're just like, oh, I need to pray for so-and-so. That's the Holy Spirit. So he is the one that's in us saying, you need to pray for this. Here's how you need to pray for this. Who's, you know, here's who you need to be praying for today. And even when we get to those times when you're just so broken or confused or heartbroken and, and words just aren't coming out, the Holy Spirit is the one who translates that for God. We read this in Romans 8.26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And so it's amazing that God, that, that God is almost translating what our prayers are. He's telling us what to pray and how to pray, and, and the Holy Spirit is even praying for us. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is all happening. This is how we pray. And so the Trinity drastically changes how we pray. Or they should. We should be praying to the Father in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our prayers fall apart without the Trinity. It's not going to work the way that it's supposed to. Another example uh, is just in your everyday life, you're walking eating, sleeping, breathing, living out your faith, um, especially when it comes to things like temptation, that all requires the Trinity. It requires every member of the Trinity. Sometimes you face temptation and you think, this is too hard, I can't overcome it, I keep falling to it, this is a mess, it's never going to happen. And then we read in Hebrews 4.15, it says, this high priest, this is Jesus, 
is of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So because Jesus faced every sin, we are able to go to him and find grace and mercy when we face the exact same thing knowing that I don't walk this alone, that this is possible to be defeated because if Jesus defeated all these temptations and I have that same power within me, then I too can walk in victory and freedom. He's the one who's in me, helping me. He's the one that's leading me along the way. And so Jesus set us the example and he is the one who crucified our sin, who crucified our old person, our old way of living, and it died. And now we were given the spirit to make sure that we can live that out. And so we see the spirit's role in Galatians 5.16. Paul writes, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So Jesus took our sin, nails it to a cross, conquers it and says, you don't have to do it anymore. And then the Holy Spirit lives within us and says, so how about you let me guide your life and I'll make sure that you don't even walk down those paths. So it's a combination and you're thinking, well, what does God the Father do? That was God's plan since the beginning of time. He is the one who put it into action. He is the one who prophesied God or Jesus. He's the one who sent Jesus. And they were the one who orchestrated the Holy Spirit working in our lives in the first place. You can't even operate as a Christian day in and day out without every member of the Trinity playing a role in your life. The whole thing is going to fall apart if even just one of them disappears. We see this partnership uh, in Galatians 5.24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is how we walk in freedom and live in freedom. Because God, because Jesus, because the Holy Spirit, we're able to live in a way that, that gives us that kind of freedom. Final example is that the Trinity is also a great picture of how the church is supposed to look. The Trinity is a picture of community. The Trinity is a picture of, of how God operates as three, and yet they are unified as one. And that is a picture of the church where we say, we are even just as cross point 500, and yet we are one body. And even bigger than that, we are able to say the church is millions of people around the world, and yet we are unified as one family. And so we are many, and yet at the same time, we are unified even as one. And so the Trinity is this picture of how the church is supposed to operate. And just as every member of the Trinity has a role and plays a role and does something specific, so are we as the church gifted and equipped to play a certain role within the body to ensure that when I do my part, the whole body is working together correctly in the right way. In other words, the church works best when everyone does their part in a unified fashion. And so the Trinity even gives us a picture of this. And there are times when the Trinity was all together at one. Uh, this is at Jesus' baptism, Matthew 3.16. It says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And then a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. So you've got Father and Son and Holy Spirit all at the exact same moment. They're all, they all showed up for Jesus' baptism, like a good family does. Took pictures, had a barbecue after, it was awesome. And some, you read that and you're like, that's the most confusing thing I've ever read. But they're all there together as a community, watching, celebrating, even God the Father's like, that's my boy. 
That's my son. He fills me with joy. And so as a church, we look at that as a model and we're like, that's what we should do. We should be there for each other. We should be cheering on one another, praying for one another, equipping one another, helping one another as a unified body, even though there's a whole bunch of us. And so it's the Trinity. I mean, this is the thing that changes the way that we, we pray and we live and we walk and we operate. And even it gives us a picture of the church. So the Trinity is not just like this boring, dry theology. Like, oh, well, it's the Trinity. Here's a thing that I know. Well, no, it, it should change the way you live today and tomorrow and the next day. It should change the way that we operate as a church. This is who God is. This is what he does. And this is how he does it. And so we need God. Don't try and do anything without the Trinity. Don't, don't forget one of the members. Certainly don't elevate one of the members above another one. Don't lessen one of the members below. They're all God. He is all three. They are all God, and yet he, there is one God. Perfectly clear? No. But is it good and true and right? And does it give us what we need to make sure that we walk this life in the power of God so that some, someday we can stand before him? Absolutely. But it's because every member together is working and making sure that we get there. And so I, I really struggled. How in the world do you close this? Where I'm like, okay, that's it. <laughs> I, I almost did that. I, you know, how do you close that? You don't. So we're going to pray. It's always a really good way. It's always a good go-to. Um, but I want to pray for all of us, and, and maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you've wrestled with this. Maybe there's, there's one of those things that, that has always kind of been out of sync for you, and I, I want to pray for that. Maybe God the Father was the struggle for you because you didn't have a great father, or he always seemed distant, or he always seemed angry. I want to pray that you would meet the God who says, no, you can call me Abba Father. You can call me Dad. And maybe tonight, uh, you've always been curious about the Holy Spirit, and it always seemed weird, and what do we do with that? And, and, and maybe tonight we pray that, that you would fully understand what it means that, that, that God lives within you. You are a temple of God, and we can operate in that capacity. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and maybe you're here tonight, and you've never even made a decision to follow Jesus. And so you don't have the Holy Spirit yet, but, but you still need that that truth of what it means that no, all of my sins are on a cross and I can be forgiven and I can be made new. And so whatever that is tonight, I want to pray for us. And I want to pray that we would go home understanding the best we can that God is three and yet he is one and how that changes everything. So why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes. And I want to pray for us, but maybe you're here tonight. Um, and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. You, you want to make a decision to say, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. And I need to accept his salvation. And I want to be a new creation. I want to have the Holy Spirit. I want to turn my life around and walk in a new way. If that's you tonight, I just simply ask that you would raise your hand. And we want to pray for you. And maybe you're here tonight. And there's been another, I don't know, just... It, when it comes to your theology with the Trinity, with what you believe, there's just been something lacking or missing or confusing. And tonight you would say, man, I need some clarity. I, I need to feel that power. I want to walk in victory, whatever that is for you. Would, would you just be so bold as to raise your hand right now and just say, I need some help somewhere along the way with one of these things. And we would love to pray for you tonight as well. All right. Let me pray for us tonight. Jesus, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name.
And I just pray for this church right now. I pray for everyone that's in this room. I pray that even now in this moment, you would make yourself so clear to them and obvious to them and near to them, that you would be speaking to us now, Holy Spirit, that you would be calling us to new things, that you would be calling us to obedience, calling us to salvation, calling us to make decisions that, that you would have for us that are good and true. God, I pray for people who are hurting tonight that you would be their comfort. We pray for those that are searching tonight that you would be a light under their feet. God, I pray for those who are lost tonight that you would help them find their way to you. God, I pray for those who are discouraged tonight that you would give them encouragement. I just pray that you would move and speak, that you would comfort us, equip us, challenge us, continue to see us grow individually and as a church, Jesus, that we would be able to do more for your kingdom because of what you're doing in us and through us. And so we are grateful for you. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And the church said, amen.